Romans 12 is a very, very familiar passage. But I, I believe that the Lord has it for us this morning. To challenge us, to transform us. Amen? Amen. We need that. We need that. So, um, let's read together. Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect word of God. Jesus, this morning we ask that you would illuminate your word to us. Father, we need to be transformed. So we pray that you would teach us what it means to be that living sacrifice. Teach us what it means to lay our lives at your feet. Lord, we ask that you would come, your spirit would come and move mightily here this morning. We ask, we pray in your precious and holy name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Listen, the Apostle Paul has a habit of spending a good length of time laying out great Christian doctrine almost in every epistle that he writes. Because in doing so, he sets up the transition of the application of what was just laid out. And that is exactly what has happened in Romans. Romans chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11, Paul does a wonderful job of laying out great Christian doctrine concerning Uh, salvation, sanctification, regeneration, the work of the Holy Spirit. But he does that not simply to pass on knowledge, not just to give us great spiritual truths. He does so that we would apply it in our lives. Doctrine is never taught in the Bible simply to be known. It is taught in order that we may grab a hold of it and allow it to play out in our lives. As James said, we are not to just be hearers of the word, but to be what? Doers of the word. Jesus, in John thirteen seventeen says this, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And he's speaking of, uh, when he's talking to his disciples, he's washing their feet, and he's telling them about servanthood. You see, there he tells them what needs to be done, then he shows them how to do it, and then he says, you will be blessed if you do so. That is what uh, the Apostle Paul has done. He has preserved um, this great doctrine, excuse me, the Lord has preserved it, um, chapters 1 through 11. Great foundations, so many great scriptures are found. I mean, chapter 8 is just... Oh, you just want to read it over and over in Romans. But we get to the point today where it's application. You see, in our text today, Paul is saying, in light of all that has been said, in light of all that has been said, he is going to plead with us to change our lives in the direction that the Lord would have us change. When you say the word change, um, our society or our culture, it's kind of like a, there's a tension with that word. Why? On the one hand, we need change. We desire change. We like change. Especially concerning change uh, when, when it's, uh, it's a matter of, well, I need to dress better and I need to prepare my hair better or uh, change in smelling better or I need better finances We always want those types of change. And the media always just feeds this idea, right? You need this. Oh, man, you can't live without this. The media does that. And so in our minds, we're like, yeah, we want change. But on the other hand, there's also a hesitancy. We don't want change. 
there's certain things that we want to change, such as our finances. Oh, Lord, bless me with the finances. But then we don't want change in certain areas. Look at the Israelites. The father saw their depravity. They saw, he saw where they were in, in bondage in Egypt. And because he's a loving, gracious God, he raised up Moses and he sent Moses to extract them out of bondage, out of the slavery of the heavy hand of Pharaoh. Why? Because he wanted to take them to the promised land. He wanted to take them where the place where, where was like milk and honey, this place that he had, he had provided for them, that he had set aside for them. He wanted to extract them out of there, to put them here, and in the process, they began to wonder, do we want this change? Man, the food was better over here. At least we knew where we were going. At least we knew our day-to-day stuff. In areas, we like change. In other areas, we don't want change. Are you with me? Why is it that we resist change so much in certain areas? Perhaps we fear the change will make us unhappy. Like the Israelites, they couldn't see what was promised to them, but they knew what they had, and they were satisfied in bondage. They wanted to go back into bondage. Unbelievable. But yet it's true today. Many Christians, God has freed them from the wicked hand of the enemy. Out of bondage, he's plucked us out, desiring that we would have everlasting life. But when change is asked, we don't want to. Maybe a superficial, we hear and we say, yeah, there's a need of change in my life. Such as finances or such as new clothes. And you go in your wardrobe, like, same old stuff, I need, not, I need something more. The Lord has something more for all of us. Amen? He wants change for us. He wants to transform us. And so many of us, we don't like that change because we're in fear of what the Lord has in store. If I submit myself completely, will God send me to Africa? Maybe he'll send me here. Maybe what if he does this? Or what if he takes away my little secret sin? We don't want change. And the truth is, we all need change. We all need change. And the Bible speaks of this, this need. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Thus there is a need for change. What I'm proposing to you this morning is that there is a prescription that the Bible has given us. There is something that can be given to us that will allow this change. And I'm not talking about a miracle cream that will hide all your blemishes. I'm not talking about something that will make you feel good. I'm not talking about a medicine because you know what? What I'm talking about this, more, this morning is worse than that. It's the medicine is that you need to die. You need to kill yourself. Wow, take that out of context, and everyone just goes crazy. This morning, all of you guys are like, he's talking about change. He's talking about killing ourselves. I right, let's get out of here. No, I'm telling you that that is the answer to the change that needs to take place in our life is that we need to give of ourselves to God. And that's why Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, in light of all that God has done, the blessings that he's bestowed upon us, the, the, the son that he sent to die for us. In light of those mercies, he says, I beseech you, therefore. We are challenged by the mercies of God because without Christ, we all stand in condemnation. Without Christ, we all are like the Israelites, bound up, and sin. We are sinners by nature and choice, but in spite of our sinfulness, God loves us. God is faithful. God is good. Amen? Yes. 
He sent His Son to die for us. To set us free from this terrible consequence of sin, which is eternal hell. Eternal separation from God. But by His mercies, He has saved us. Therefore, this morning, we must respond. Therefore, this morning, by the mercies of God, we must respond. If God wants change in our life, we have to say, Amen. So be it, God. Find the illness in my life, the remedy... is giving of your life. We cannot remain as spectators as many Christians are. Spectators of what God wants to do in the work of, of just greatness. You know what? It, it just amazes me that in the midst of God doing great and wonderful things, there are people who are just spectators. They're just there seeing what's going on, but they're not participants. Think of, think of Paul on the, on, on the road to Damascus. Think about what took place, that God did a wonderful work in him, and what happened to the two vatos that were with him? They just witnessed it. They must have been tripping out going, dang, that's crazy. What's going on with his eyes? What's happening to this guy? And so too today, you can be in the very presence of God doing a wonderful work but because you're a spectator, you do not feel the inner work in which God wants to do in you. This morning, if you're a spectator, please hear the plea of the Apostle Paul saying, I beseech you, I beg of you, I'm pleading with you. It has been said and described that a football game is 22 men on the field badly in need of rest. While 7,000 or many, many more, even right now, watching a football game, the spectators are generally in great need of exercise. <laughs> the guys on the field need rest. The people watching need exercise. And whether you're a spectator or not of football, Christianity certainly should never be a spectator sport. We are to be involved. We are to be a part of what God wants to do. And this morning, I hope that all of you are just already beginning to be moved in your heart to be in the game. Put me in, coach. I want to participate in this great work that you're doing. I don't want to miss I don't want to be like the two vatos who watch Paul be transformed before their very eyes. Don't watch people around you be transformed. You be transformed. Amen? Oh, there's a great need for it. That's why Paul is saying, I beseech you. The word I beseech, as I said, is, is to beg. It's to plead. And Christians, we need to be urged in this area. Because in times, I'm telling you, there's, it's so easy to become apathetic. It's so easy to become just status quo in your Christianity. And for whatever reason, maybe your mind is occupied by the things of this world or your priorities are not right, but this morning, God wants to get your priorities right. He wants to get your mind off of the things of the world. He wants to set you straight. He wants you to be transformed. But before that transformation happens, you must die to yourself. You must give of yourself. In light of all that God has done, in light of all the, the greatness of what He has done, He's preserved the Word of God. He has sent His Son. He has given us uh, blessings beyond comprehension. God will give you peace that surpasses all understanding. God will be for you where no one can be against you. This all is in Christ Jesus for those who call upon Him with a pure heart. I'm telling you, those who, who would submit or subject or consecrate or lay their lives at the altar. That is what God has. And so Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
And so our response should be, should be proper this morning. We are to have a presentation to God. And that presentation is your very existence, your body. I read this text and I thought to myself, why the body? Why? Why not the mind or the heart or the soul? Why does the scriptures not say, present your heart or your mind? You know why? Because all those things are bound up in what? Your body. It's in line with, with what Jesus said when he summed up the law by saying, you're to love the, the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. In other words, he was saying your very existence, your very being. And that's what the Apostle Paul is saying, that we are to present just that to God. And there's a need to sacrifice it. Because in doing so, we commit our bodies to him. When we give of ourselves, we submit our bodies to him and then he can begin to work his wonders in us. Some would say, well, why? What? The body is, is smelly. I mean, look at, look at this body. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God gave you that body. You're made in, in the image of him himself. So when the world says, oh, you're too this, you're too that, you like this, you like that, just know this morning that, that, that your body is pleasing to the Lord, especially when you give it to Him. The more um, you have um, th- this idea of this is my body, isn't that where that, that proud spirit, that, that vanity. Ask Solomon the damage that'll do. Ask the, the men of old faith that have, that have fallen into those things. Man, I'm telling you, this morning, what a wonderful thing for the Lord to say. I am pleased with just who you are, just as you are, as long as you bring it to the altar and sacrifice it. Because in my eyes, he says, he sees it as wonderful, a holy thing. It's a holy sacrifice. God does want it. It's pleasing to him. It's pleasing to him this morning, friends. Can you say amen? Isn't that wonderful? Just looking and go, oh, thank you, Lord. This is pleasing to you. But he wants us to sacrifice it alive. A living sacrifice, it says here in verse 1. That is what is required. That's an interesting concept. A living sacrifice. How do you sacrifice something that stays alive? It remains alive. Well, we must understand that each one of us is the foundation of Christianity is that death must come before life would emerge. Ask Jesus Christ as he died on the cross. Through that death, there was a resurrection. But because of the death, what has happened to you and I? Life has emerged. Without that death, you and I would be stuck in the depravity of our sin. But thanks be to God that through His death, life would emerge. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has conquered death, and now you and I can enjoy the sweet intimacy with our Heavenly Father. Amen? What a wonderful thing. Jesus dying on the cross for us, that we would have this newness, that we would have this, this new life no longer bound up in sin. But listen, friends, you cannot experience the resurrection life if you do not experience death first. I learned this firsthand when I was five years old or six or somewhere around there. Um, I just loved watermelon when I was growing up. I still do love watermelon. I can eat watermelon every, every day, honestly. 
as a part of my dinner, breakfast, lunch, at midnight. I, matter of fact, a piece of watermelon to me is cutting it in half. <laughs> this is my piece. This is my family's piece. And I'll straight just eat it right like that. I, it's like a bowl to me. I love watermelon. And now the seedless watermelon is, oh my, it's just getting better. <laughs> but when I was little, my parents couldn't always afford to have watermelon. And I would say to them, why can't we have watermelon every day? And my dad would say, well, it's expensive. We can't have watermelon every day. So I thought, well, why don't I have my own watermelon garden? And I can have watermelon whenever I want. So the next watermelon, I grabbed the seeds, dug a hole, I pssst, Water, 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 water. What happened? Nothing. Why? So disappointed, distraught. I go to my dad. Man, I, I wanted more watermelon, so I planted these seeds and there's nothing growing. What's going on? And he says, son, did you dry out the seeds? I didn't dry the seeds out. What do you dry the seeds out for? Because death has to come to the seed in order for a life to emerge. As the Christian. Death must come so that life and fruits and abundance will come. Ask yourself, is there an abundant life in you? Are you allowing the fruit to emerge from the branches? Are you staying a part of the vine? Have you detached yourself? If you have this morning, be grafted back in because the Lord has work to do through you. And as soon as you're willing to give of yourself, as soon as you are willing to sacrifice yourself, watch to see what God will do. Because this is called the spiritual act of worship or service, as it says in the text. This, my friends, is true worship. It's an act of worship. And it's one of the most spiritual acts we can do. Look with me, Hebrews 13:15 says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, as we did this morning so wonderfully. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifice, God is what? Well pleased. In other words... There, the author is giving us this idea that it's not just the, 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 <clears throat> the fruit of our lips as we cry out to our God, but it's the service. It's all that we are. It's what we do. It's in sharing. It's in loving, loving thy neighbor uh, greater than you would love yourself. This all encompasses a, a, a wonderful sacrifice to our God. Pleasing to him, it says. I like what it says in 1 Peter 2.5. It says, You also are living stones and being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up a spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are called to be priests. But here's the crazy thing. As in the Old Testament, we are not called to grab a, a, a sacrifice to the altar and, and to give it to the Lord. But now that each one of us have been called to be a holy priesthood, we are called to be the sacrifice in response to our Savior who was the one true sacrifice. Turn really quick to the uh, book of Ephesians. To give us a better picture of what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the new man that God desires as we would lay our lives down before Him. Um, in Ephesians 4, 4.22, um, Paul says this, that you are to put off concerning your former conduct. The old man which grows corrupt according to its deceitful lust and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Mark that in your Bible. 
And you are to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We are to live according to this new man. And then he goes on to say, man, we've got to put away all this crap, all this stuff, stealing and, 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 and all that is mentioned here in verses 25 through 32. And then it goes, but be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, giving himself up as an offering and a what? Sacrifice to God as a sweet smelling aroma. So likewise, we are to be a sweet-smelling aroma as we give our lives at the altar, as we give our lives to Him in response of what He has done. Be now imitators of God and dear children and walk in love. No longer are we to be this former man, but there's a new man that is to emerge in each one of us. Now please, ladies, I speak of man and mankind. Amen? don't want to get all politically correct and say women and men. That just confuses me. I'm already confused. <laughs> but listen, as the, the word of the Lord would be said to us, that we are now to walk in the newness of this new man. We are no longer to walk in darkness, but we are to walk in the light. As children of the light, for this... For the fruit of the Spirit is goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Lord, what is acceptable to you? This is what I want to do for you. And then, and then Paul goes on to say, man, we're not to, to have the, the works of darkness, but rather we should expose them. And then, and then fast forwarding to verse 15, he says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. People, is the time we live in in need of, of redemption? Oh, say yes and amen. If there's any greater time for us to hear the plea of Paul saying, I beseech you, brethren, it is now. We are to redeem the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand the will of the Lord. Understand the will of the Lord. And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit in such a way as, as, as the text says, I mean, man, I know what it means to be filled with wine. It controls all your faculties. That's why most of my arrests are because of being drunk and, and, and being violent. It controlled me. But now, in the same way, I am to be calling upon the Spirit of the Lord that the spirits would have control of me. That when the Lord wants me to pray for someone or just lay hands on someone or just love someone or just hug someone or maybe even a vessel, I am willing to do so because I know that there is a need in this world, redemption. And I'm a part of that process. You are a part of that process. But this only happens when we're willing to give of ourselves as a living sacrifice. Amen? Aren't you just so excited? What does God have for me? The only way you'll know is if you walk circumspectly in the spirits, yielding to Him, Yielding to his wonderful works and his word. You see, to walk in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Lord, you have to be controlled by the Lord. I quoted that verse in, in Acts 9 that we talked about a couple weeks ago. It says, walk in the fear of the Lord. The church walked in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And friends, the only way that's going to happen is if we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the only way that's going to happen is if we yield to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And sometimes the only way we can know if we are walking or where we're erring or where we're having difficulties is if we're in the Word of God. See, if you don't have the Word of God in you to direct you, that's generally where you'll go south because you no longer have the doctrine that you need and the pleading that you need to live right. 
the Word of God. It's mentioned in Scripture as penetrating, even dividing soul and spirit. We need the Word of God in our lives. This society needs living Word of God, meaning we need to be doers of it so that people see too and they will be awed by His mercies and they too would say, I need to give of my life to this God you serve. Shouldn't it be that way? Shouldn't people know who we are by the works or the fruits of our life or by the lip service? So the, the challenge this morning from Paul is to give up our lives as a living sacrifice to God. But how do we cultivate that? How do we cultivate this, this new life that is to emerge? Well, Paul says this new life will emerge as we go back to Romans 12. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being transformed by the renewing of your mind. This transformation has to happen. And the wonderful thing is, friends, it's an ongoing process. We never obtain it. That's why His mercies are new every morning, because we need them every morning. Amen? That's why, as we read in Philippians, that God is faithful to complete the work that He has begun in us. Amen? We need this change, and it's an ongoing change. It's an ongoing process. You know, this morning, I, I was super blessed. At 4 o'clock this morning, I was in my jacuzzi looking upon the stars and just contemplating on what God was going to do this morning. But in my time of the jacuzzi, I began to complain. And some of you are like, how can you complain? You're sitting in a jacuzzi at 4 o'clock in the morning? What's wrong with you? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong with me. As I was sitting in there, bubbles emerged this far above my head. I am not exaggerating. You see, yesterday, which was Saturday, um, I had drained my pool, my jacuzzi, because someone had played a joke and put some stuff in there. And by the way, it's not funny. It's cost a lot of money. Ask my honey. Okay, I'm sorry. But listen, as I sat in there, I was complaining to the Lord because the day before I had drained it and I had cleaned it because the bubbles, it, it was, honestly, as you put your hands in there, it was just slimy because it was either someone put bubbles or they put Tide. I don't know what they put in there, but whatever it was, it ruined my jacuzzi. And I kid you not, I drained it, I wiped it clean, I dry, I, I waited till it just felt like there was no more film on there. I did all that I could. I spent half the day on it. And then after I had done all that, I began to fill it with the hot water from, um, from my house and then as it got full, I was looking, it looks clear. I'm all, yes. I close it. I'm reading the Bible. Blah, blah, blah. I kept peeking in there going, yes, it's looking good. And then when it got about three quarters full, I turned on the jets and I kid you not, God is my witness. There was pounds of bubbles. Like I know preachers that exaggerate to make a point. I am not exaggerating. My wife walked out and my little daughter said, snow. It was crazy. Like, it was bubbles this size coming out of my, my jacuzzi. It was, it was honestly crazy. And I, I was beginning, I got frustrated. I was like, man, I spent half the day on this thing, and look it. Not only that, it was killing me just to fill it because I just felt like we couldn't afford the, the money to, because carp water is expensive, people. And I'm feeling it, and I'm going, oh, this is killing me. And my wife is laughing. She's all, honey, you know what? Why don't you go to the church and study, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the girls in there. We're going to have fun. I was all, okay. But, and then I was like, but it's going to get dirt. I'm just going to leave. 
I got frustrated. I left. I got here, and I'm studying. I got a call from my wife. She said, oh, honey, the girls are having so much fun, and they just keep saying, oh, I wish Daddy was here. So I'm like, man, I need to get over myself. Closed my Bible. I went back, put on my suit. I jumped in there, and I kid you not, just couldn't see each other in the bubbles. And then... Five minutes later, I'm in there with my girls for five minutes, and they're like, I need water. Where's the water? There was so much bubbles, you couldn't see the water, or you couldn't even, like, you would go like this, and there'd just be bubbles. And they got to a point where they're like, we're done. I want no more bubbles. My daughters were almost starting to cry, like, Daddy, help me. I, I got too many bubbles. And this morning, in my jacuzzi, the Lord spoke to me, and, and I just believe it's, it's, it's for us. You see, my wife had called the pool guy, and he said, hey, how, how do we take care of this? Uh, you know, bubbles emerging, and blah, it's horrible. And the guy's response is, bad practical joke. Yes, we know. And we're like, how do we take care of this? Oh, you got to drain this like three or four times. You've got to use special enzymes, and, and, and it is, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy process. See, in my mind, it was killing me just to do it once. But now I'm told that there's a process. <laughs> Same as for you and I. God has a process for us to get the end result, to get the product that He desires. But like so many of us, we're like me and my, my kids. We're loving the bubbles. But then soon, wait. Uh, see, sin is fun for a season, right? But then that season's over. And you're over it. Man, this sin is killing me. But I've got to keep doing it because I'm bound to it. My secret little sin. And friends... Like so many of us, God wants to take us and he, he has a, a process for us, but we're just, we just stay here because we think it's fun. But like my little girls are like, man, I'm, I'm daddy, I'm done with the bubbles. And so many here this morning, I hope and pray that you're done. That you're done, you're willing to submit, you're willing to sacrifice your body as a living sacrifice and then move on with the change that God has for you. And this change comes through the renewing of your mind. And, 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 and please note that Paul so wonderfully says, but understand this, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. Do not conform to it. That word in the Greek, it refers to an outward and an inward appearance, a likeness, being shaped after or fashioned to something. And friends, this world wants you to be formed in its own image. And that image is self-centered. And so many Christians buy into that image. So many Christians are being conformed, loose living, allowing sin into their life and justifying it because it's fun. And the Bible says fun for a season only, my friend. And, and, and as, as brothers and sisters, we need to just even right now say, no longer, no longer. By the mercies of God, and all, in light of all that He's done, I must give up these things. What are they in your life? What is it in your life that is conforming you, molding you? I'm asking, what is the secret sin? The habitual sin. Is there a habitual sin that takes place in your life? I'm telling you, today is the day to crucify it. Crucify it. Don't be conformed by it. Because this world wants to. Marriages. So many of them in shambles. Why? Because they're conformed to the idea of the world system. And the world system, again, is, is self-centered. So no longer are they looking to the marriage of what I bring to the table, but is what is this marriage going to give me? How is it going to fulfill me? Woman, you're not fulfilling my needs, so I'm going to click onto this, I'm going to look at this, and I'm going to touch that. 
And that is a self-centered attitude, an attitude that, friends, we must reject. We must reject this philosophy and, and we must reject this lifestyle, this loose living, this living of uh, uh, allowing the world to conform us. But, but we need to know that the, that the desire of our Father is not to walk in that darkness. Not because He's the fun joy killer, but because He knows what it brings to His children. Just as a father would say, don't touch the hot stove, my son. It'll burn you. Oh, but daddy, it looks so red. It looks so fun. It just looks like I should touch it. Brothers and sisters, this morning, the Lord is not trying to take away your fun because here's the beauty. I believe this with all my heart. That is, as you submit yourself God will replace those things. When you give up to the altar, you're not going to walk away dry and empty. That's what sin does. No, you will walk in the peace and the comfort and the joy of the Lord. Amen? You know when someone has the joy of the Lord. Man, this morning, I hope you're tapping into it. I hope that you this morning, would, would by the mercies of God present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Allow Him to transform you. This process, it has to take place in our lives. Together, collectively, we all need to agree that we need change. And this change comes by, by us giving of our lives, allowing God to transform and allowing your mind to be renewed. The Greek word here for meta, <clears throat> excuse me, for transformation is metamorpho. It's to change into another form, to transform or to transfigure. That is what God wants. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. In other words, the Lord is looking at us as these, these little caterpillars that need to emerge and be transformed and metamorphosized into a beautiful, flourishing butterfly. That is what God desires to do in you. Have you guys ever been out to Elwood Shores where you see the monarchs and you're just like, man, this is incredible. Oh, just a little just a little snippet of what heaven's going to be like. I'm telling you, go if you haven't gone out to Goleta, the good land, and, and see, not the promised land like you are in right now. You go out there, you see Elwood Shores, and you will not believe your eyes. They're just everywhere in the midst of, of, of these um, eucalyptus trees. Beautiful, beautiful. That's what our Father desires in this room is for this transformation to take place so that those who are outside these walls will say, man, you've got to go look and see what's going on in that building. God is transforming lives. This punk that I used to live by, he got saved, and man, he's, he's almost obnoxiously good to me. And now I go there. Friends, it's obviously a plea for us to have change for the glory of God. Amen? For the glory of God. I, I've been extremely blessed by the Lord. When I gave myself to Him, it was honestly one of those radical transformations. And, and like four years ago, I don't know when it was, I, I was given a chance to go to my high school reunion the 10-year reunion, and I'm longing to go to my 20 because in my mind, that was my hour of redemption because in high school, I was such a wretched fool, leading many astray, leading many down the path of darkness, persuasive in my ways with women, persuasive in my ways with, with uh, men drinking with me. My best friend was a Christian, 
after spending four years with me, the man did time. The man did, I mean, till this day he doesn't go to church. That's the damage I've done in his life. But in my hour of redemption, I asked the Lord, Lord, use me here. And you know what, friends? Because of the transformation that has taken place, and God be the glory, he used me mightily. I walked in and we prayed. My wife and I, we prayed all the way there because my wife is my high school sweetheart. I dated her when she was 14 as a freshman. I was uh, a junior and um, we've been together ever since. Amen? That's good stuff. But anyways, we're praying. We get there and I'm like, Lord, use me. And so I walk in and, and, and I grab this, right away I grab this pitcher of ice cold water and I start drinking it like this. And walking along and going, hey, what's happening? Because the Lord had given me, I'm kidding you, not one bit. The Lord had given me this strength, this enthusiasm that I couldn't believe. I didn't even know it was in me. I was like, hey, everybody. And the reason why I had this water is because in the old days, I was known for the guy with the pitcher of beer. The pitcher, not the cup, the pitcher. I would walk around and persuade everyone to drink out of it. If you didn't drink, man, I'm going to make you drink. If you don't want to do that, I'll make you do that. That was the damage. That was who I was. But in my hour of redemption, because of the transformation of the Lord Jesus Christ, man, it was out of control. I'm telling you. I was praying for people. I was praying for, like, there's people drinking, saying, man, I used to be a Christian too. (laughs) Pray for me. I was like, sit down, let's pray. And and I was um, just, it was like a whirlwind. I was on the dance floor. I was breaking out the old moves. I couldn't believe what was happening. And the beautiful thing was, is I was busting out these old moves, and they were now sanctified. (laughs) And I was able to show everybody, this is all taking place by some man who was drinking water. And how wonderful was it to be able to sit them down and say, man, let me tell you about some real good water. The living water. That's what God desires out of us as we give of ourselves, as we allow Him to transform us. How do we transform? How do, how do we allow this? How do we cultivate this? The renewing of our mind. And it comes right here. The Word of God. The scriptures that he's given us, this is the compass. This is what we need because as we, as we read and meditate upon this, it is what will allow us to be the butterfly, to flourish. Because it's going to correct us when we're wrong. It's going to encourage us when we're right. It's going to meet our innermost needs. It's the word of God. That is what Paul is speaking of when we say we are to be metamorphosized by the renewing of our mind. In other words, we need to have a new thought process. Turn really quick to Romans chapter 6 because I believe Paul does a wonderful job of illustrating of what this looks like. Romans chapter 6. You seen the shambles I'm in? Help me, Lord. Romans chapter 6. Paul says, what shall we say then? Verse 1. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Everybody, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Or do you not know that many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even though when we also should walk in the newness of life, we have been given this newness in life. It comes through death, Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we should also be in the likeness of his what? His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man 
was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Amen? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Freed from sin. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty we've been freed at last. Oh, the glory of this text as you apply it to your life no longer are you bound to the sin. Habitual sin should not be a present in your life because your old man has been crucified. But the problem with today's Christianity is people are resurrecting the old man. The Bible says that the old man is done. He has no power over you. But friends, you give him power when you feed him. When you log on to this or you touch that or you say this, it's just opening that venue, pouring into him the nourishment needed to arise. But the Bible says, no, that man is dead. There's a new man. This new man is hungry. This new man wants to eat. So we are to be in the Word of God, feeding the new man, the spiritual man, the man that is to flourish, the man that is to go and pray and touch and love and embrace this, this world to be the salt, to be the light. This new man has a purpose to glorify God, to bring His kingdom. But that man, oh, that man the dead man, the old man, hungry is he. Oh, but the spirit is willing if you're willing to feed him. Friends, ask yourself this morning, where have you opened the door to nourishment to your old man and cut it off? Starve him to death. Starve him to death. That is a concept that is it's so, in my mind, it's so easy to grasp. Because I knew what the old man was capable of doing. As the Apostle Paul goes on to say later, later in this chapter, that who, who has lived a life of sin that would say, look what the Lord has done, look what has prospered from the sin, the depravity of my life. No, no, that's not the case. Never. Sin never bears great fruits, ultimately bringing death sin does why would we go on sinning the apostle Paul says why would we give in to this why not feed and nurture this new man what will emerge well the bible says a beautiful butterfly will emerge this new man will emerge thus we must feed him and we feed him through the word of God we feed him as we come and worship God we feed him when we spur another on and, and good deeds unto God this is feeding the spiritual man. But the minute you log on, the minute you click, the minute you touch, the minute you falter, you begin to feed this old man. This man needs to die, brothers and sisters. And this morning, this morning, you have an opportunity to bring to the altar your body as a living sacrifice. You have the opportunity to come and say, God, here is my secret sin. God, here is my depravity. This I give to you that this new man would emerge. There's no shame in that, friends. The shame is if you sit and wallow in the stupidity of your secret sin. Is it enough to just say, well, I can confess where I'm at. I can be and do all that needs to happen where you're at. Absolutely, you can do that. But there is something empowering when you allow the body, the tent, which holds the heart, mind, and soul, and you bring it to action, to the altar. Because when we do this, brothers and sisters, when we do this, we begin to show and demonstrate to this world the good and perfect will of God. And don't you want that? Don't you want the world to know how good and how great and the mercies and the everlasting life, the abundance, the peace, 
The peace that surpasses all understanding, it cannot be purchased. It cannot be connived. It cannot be um, anything but received by the Lord God himself. And when we submit ourselves to God, when we give of ourselves and allow transformation and we feed this new man, then we're now walking in the comfort and the peace of God. This morning, if you're here asking yourself, what is the will of God for me? Woe is me. I don't know what I'm going to do after I graduate. I don't know what I should major in. I don't know if I should have this job. I don't know if I should be married to this person. I don't know if I should raise these kids. Listen, you want to know the will of God? Then love God. Give of yourselves to God. And then as the scripture says, when you do this, you will find yourself smack dab in the middle of God's will. The Bible says, for this is God's will that you would be sanctified. When, I mean, most of us would just love, oh, I'd just love to drive down the freeway and have questions and just have them be answered on billboards. God, am I to graduate and go on to this and do that? Bing, yes! No. God's will is much more exciting than that. Ask Abraham. Ask Abraham, when you see him, Abraham, how exciting was it? Man, I'm telling you, it was crazy. Daily I was walking, I didn't know where I was going, but I loved the God that served and called me, and he showed me the way. Brothers and sisters, what I'm simply saying to you this morning is if you don't know if you're in the will of God, come to the altar. But if you are walking in the comfort of God, if if there is no habitual sin, if there is no um, secret sin, then I'm here to tell you, man, you're walking in the will of God. This morning, I was with all confidence. I looked at these two couple, this couple right there. They're gorgeous. I was able to look at them and say, Shawnee, because I know there's no secret sin in your life, I know that you are right with God, and I know she is right with God, I know and I am confident that you are in the will of God and being engaged to her. So don't let the enemy say, man, it's too early. You should be this. You should be that. You should have this job. You should have this much money. Don't listen to the lies. When you're walking in the comfort of the Lord, man, there's nothing greater. Ask the man. Look at his smile. Smile, baby. There you go. <laughs> this morning, we have an opportunity. The worship team is going to lead you deep into the throne room of God. You have an opportunity to respond in many facets. A, Lord, I need to renew my mind. I try to memorize your word. I try to get into it. Man, my eyes, I, I, they fall asleep, blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, bring it to the altar as a living sacrifice. Maybe for you, there, there's an open door to this the sin, the, the nurturing of the old man. Bring it to the altar. Bring it to the altar this morning. By the mercies of God, bring it to the altar. Let this new man emerge. Let him flourish for the kingdom and the glory of God. Whatever your struggle be this morning, bring it to the altar. Jesus, thank you for this wonderful concept, for this wonderful word that you brought to us. And it's now, Lord, at this hour that we ask that you would come mighty and your spirit would reign. Lord, we want to come to the altar and lay our lives, our bodies to you. Show us if there be any illness, any error. For Lord, by your mercies, we want to respond. We want to get in the game. We want the new man to emerge. So come meet with us. We ask. We ask of your mercies this morning. 
Have your way, Jesus. Come, move amongst us now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.